Good morning. I'm Deacon Faye Patterson with our Sunday School message for today. Would you please join me in a word of prayer? Gracious and eternal God, we come to you today in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this day that you have made and for all of the things that you've done for us. We ask that you would forgive us of our sins and help us to please you in all that we do. Lord, we welcome your Holy Spirit into this lesson, and we pray that it will be a benefit to all. We ask that you would continue to watch over our church family and keep us safe. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So our lesson today is God offers deliverance. It comes from Isaiah chapter 51, verses 1 through 8. Our aim for change is that by the end of this lesson, we will examine Isaiah's example of God's rich faithfulness and Israel's spiritual history. Trust God even when others speak disparagingly about our faith and share the good news and deliverance of God with others. Just a little background on Isaiah. We know that Isaiah prophesied of Israel's captivity by the Babylonians. God would allow the Babylonians to capture Israel as punishment for their sins. The Lord had a plan for King Cyrus to bring them out of captivity after 70 years so they could again worship him in Jerusalem. In Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 through 5, the suffering servant, whom we know as Jesus Christ, assured the people that God had commissioned him to bring comfort and deliverance to all nations. The servant called the believers to trust in God and the unrepentant to come to him. <clears throat> as we go into this lesson, I want you to think about a basketball team. Uh, lately, we saw the basketball championship between the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. And I thought about the coaches and how they have to constantly tell the players to listen and follow what they're telling them to do. The only way they can likely win a game is that they follow the game plan and do as they're told. To do that, they have to trust the coach, believe in his plan, and every member has to follow what they're directed to do. The consequences of not doing so are that they will probably not win that national championship prize. In our lesson today, we could make the same argument. We see in verse one, verse four, and verse seven, that the Lord is speaking to the people and asking them to listen, trust, and believe in him. Of course, we know that when the Bible says, listen, there's an expectation that we will hear, obey, and follow. Here is our scripture for the, uh, the first three verses of our scripture for today. Starting with verse one, listen to me, all who hope for deliverance, all who seek the Lord. Consider the rock from which you were cut, the quarry from which you were mined. Yes, think about Abraham, your ancestor, and Sarah, who gave birth to your nation. Abraham was only one man when I called him, but when I blessed him, he became a great nation. The Lord will comfort Israel again and have pity on her ruins. Her desert will blossom like Eden, her barren wilderness like the garden of the Lord. 
Joy and gladness will be found there. Songs of thanksgiving will fill the air. So in verse, verses one and two, the Lord is actually speaking to the Jews and all of the nations who are his faithful exiles. He is inviting Jews and Gentiles who seek the Lord to come to him. He uses the rock metaphor for Jews to recall how he made Abraham and Sarah to become the father and mother of the Jewish nations and other nations. Just as God kept his promise to give Abraham descendants as numerous as the stars, he allowed Sarah to conceive and bear Isaac in their advanced ages of 190 years old, respectively. He would likewise keep his promise to bring comfort and deliverance for the Gentiles. And we see that in Genesis 13, 16, and also 15 and 5. Remembering Abraham and Sarah would give people hope that God could bless them and restore them. God called upon the people to listen and to believe that he could and would indeed keep his word to deliver them as he had done through Abraham and Sarah. As Christians, we look to Jesus as our rock, and we remember what Jesus has done for us. Shame on us if we ever forget the struggles our ancestors and, uh, went through and what God did for us. As, a, as oppressed people, uh, we know to look to the past and recall what God has done for us. We have been through a lot. Freedom from slavery, the KKK. Jim Crow, Reconstruction, World Wars, Segregation, and Trumpism. We have to believe that God is faithful, forgiving, and able to fix whatever is wrong in our lives and in our world today. In verse 3, we see that the servant speaks through Isaiah about the Lord comforting Israel again. This is a reference to the Egyptian exodus. Many of the Babylonian exiles felt abandoned by God. Some even doubted his ability to deliver them and restore their desolate land. Many had taken matters into their own hands and were worshiping idols. When we lose hope and move away from God, it's easy for Satan to slip in and cause confusion and more discouragement. As Christians, we must maintain hopeful attitudes and not allow discouragement or unbelief to overwhelm us. Praise and trust in God will see us through. As we hear and see what God has done for others, it builds our faith of what he will do in our lives. And that comes from the enduring word. The servant also assures them God has not abandoned them. He calls for the people to trust in God. He compared his promise of the uh, restored Jerusalem to the Garden of Eden, a form of paradise where only God's people, whether Jews or Gentiles, could enter and have fellowship with God. You will recall that cherubim were placed outside of Eden to ensure that only God's people could enter and fellowship there. The servant said there would only be joy, gladness, and songs of thanksgiving found in the new garden homeland. They would be transformed both physically and spiritually. It would be like heaven on earth. Eden represents protection, provision, resources, splendor, food, and other necessities. 
even is also a uh, reference to the ultimate fulfillment of Israel's deliverance and salvation in the millennium when Jesus returns. Can you imagine desert places like Eden in our own country today that God has allowed to flourish? Have you ever felt hopeless and thought that there was no way out? Do you remember how God delivered and restored you? Abraham and Sarah served as righteous spiritual role models for the Jewish people and other believers. Who are your role models or spiritual models? The second portion of our lesson is the way to deliverance. Again, in verses four and five, uh, let me read verses uh, four through six. Listen to me, my people, hear me, my nation. Instruction will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations. My righteousness draws near speedily. My salvation is on the way and my arm will bring justice to the nations. The islands will look to me and wait in hope for my arm. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look at the earth beneath. The heavens will vanish like smoke and the earth will wear out like garments and its inhabitants die like flies. But my salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. So again, in verses uh, four and five, we see that the Lord continues to call on the people to listen and pay attention. Israel will be saved as a light to the world, just as God originally wanted her to be. And we see that in Isaiah 49, 6, 51, 4, and 63. People will come to know God because of Israel. God's mercy and justice will prevail in Israel and in the Gentile world. People who had fallen away will again trust in God. Looking at verse five, we see that the Jews and the Gentiles used to think that God's salvation and righteousness were out of reach or unavailable except for the chosen people. The Lord clearly stated that salvation and deliverance is for all nations who accept Jesus. God also meant that Cyrus, king of Persia, would defeat the Babylonians and free the people of Judea who were in bondage. People will take comfort in the fact that only God could do this. 70 years of captivity is a very long time, but God's time is not our time. God's strong arm would bring deliverance and salvation through Cyrus and eventually through Jesus Christ. In verse 6, the Lord says the that one day earth and heaven will pass away like a vapor. And we have several references for that. Matthew 24 and verse 35, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 7 through 10, chapter 3, verses 7 through 10, and Revelation 21, verse 1, and chapter 6, verses 12 through 17. Justice will fall on all creation plants and animals and mankind. There will be a deconstruction of creation at the end of Jesus's millennial reign, 2 Peter 3rd chapter, verses seven through 10. Those who have not accepted Christ will be judged and will face eternal destruction. The good news is that for those who know Jesus, God's salvation will deliver and righteousness, God's salvation, his deliverance and righteousness from generations to generations will last forever. 
It is important that people listen and understand this. God's character is immutable, unchanging, and his love for us is something that will never cease. We need to listen, trust, and believe him. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19, 19 through 21 tells us that not to put our trust in earthly things where moths corrupt and thieves break in and steal, but to put our trust in heavenly treasures where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Where our treasure is, there is the desire of our hearts also. We must believe in and trust God to be our treasure. How do we manage to focus on the eternal things and not on earthly things? What do you think the world would look like if we, what do you think when you look around and see that the world is deteriorating right before your eyes? Look at how it is already in a state of decline, thinning ozone layers, poor air quality, more floods and earthquakes, unexplained explosions, global warming. Revelation 6, uh, verse 14, and also chapter 8, verses 6 through 11 and 16, 3 through, 30, uh, 3 through 5, we have to put our trust in more than earthly things because they will pass away. Moving to the third section and the final section of our lesson, we see uh, an everlasting deliverance. Hear me, you who know what is right, you people who have taken my instruction to heart, do not fear the reproach of mere mortals to be terrified by their insults, for the moth will eat them up like a garment, the worm will devour them like wool, but my righteousness will last forever, my salvation through all generations. In verse 7, to whom is God speaking? Is he speaking to everyone or is he just speaking to believers? No, he's only talking to people who love and follow him. Those Jews and Gentiles who have God's word and righteousness in their hearts. They didn't need to fear the Babylonians or the Persians because God had them in his powerful hands for good. The same is true for us. We should fear God with love, reverence, and respect for him, and we should not fear man. As in verses 1 and 4, verse 7 again tells the people to listen to God, to put his word in their hearts, and to not be afraid of criticism and insults from others. He is addressing those who believed in him. God is faithful and just. He does not condemn those who are in Christ, Romans 8 and 1. He does not want us to fear anyone's scorns or insults. The Bible tells us hundreds of times not to fear. Second Timothy, the first chapter, verse seven says that he did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Verse seven uh, also reminds us that Israel's enemies will perish. God reminds us through Isaiah that no matter who emerges against his people, evil will eventually fail. Perhaps you have been watching the January 6th hearings where we have seen citizens who are fearful of elected leaders and their misguided followers because they have been threatened on behalf of evil. A has-been leader who is a known liar perpetrating a myth of election fraud. They are willing to harm these innocent people 
who are simply trying to do their jobs at the polls. Another contemporary example of evil causing fear is the war between Russia and Ukraine. I found this quote to be quite applicable here. It says, evil will eventually divide itself and destroy the world and it infests. God's righteousness that lasts for all time will do away with it in the end. Isaiah is saying that no matter who emerges as an enemy of God and God's people, they will eventually fall. Connected to the Lord's salvation is the Lord's consistent and promised deliverance for his enemies. And that comes from the um, Urban Ministries lesson, Teacher's Edition. Critics are only here temporarily. Salvation and righteousness are forever. Let's, let's ask ourselves, what are some things we might do for God if we weren't afraid of criticism? In conclusion, I will leave you with the following quote. Knowing what, knowing that the righteous and salvation, righteousness and salvation of the Lord are permanent and the opposition and mocking of the wicked are temporary, we should stand strong in faith. This is something to listen to. So thank you for joining me today as we close with this benediction from Jude 24. I encourage you to focus on our aim for change, to think about God's rich faithfulness in your life, to trust him even when others speak disparagingly of him and to share the goodness and deliverance of God with others. For our benediction, now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before his presence with great joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for joining today.